Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate, it is almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Today is Monday, April the 27th, 2009. This is episode 188. Uh, following the recent episode 187 that kicked up a, uh, a pretty big shitstorm out there. And sorry about that. Uh, on top of dealing with the rain today, I had to take a uh, quick call there. Uh, again, this is uh, not a live show when you listen to it, but it sure is a live show when I do it. I don't get to do a whole lot of editing or anything. So anyway, I was saying the conspiracy show sure kicked up a shitstorm, and I expected it. And uh, let me just say, if you were upset after you listened to that show, I'm sorry that you're upset. I, I, I'm not really sorry about feeling the way that I do and having the opinion that I do on, on some of those subjects. Um, and that's pretty much the end of it. And I don't really have any plans to talk about most of the stuff that we talked about ever again, um, with the exception of some of the stuff that I actually think is somewhat credible, and I may talk about it from the credible side, but I'm not going to talk about the uh, the conspiracy aspect of it ever again. Um, I felt I had to do that, so people would know where I stand on this, because I, I get, like I said when I did that show, about 20 emails a week asking me about chemtrails and asking me about you know 9-11 being an insider job and the, the New World Order conspiracy and everything else. And uh, there's also a lot of blog chatter out there. This guy just doesn't quite get it. If he put A, B, and C together, you know. So there you go. There's what I think. Again, if you were offended, I'm sorry. But I'm going to offend you if you listen to this show long enough. Hopefully I won't offend you today. I'm going to talk about the swine flu. Uh, uh, which is really had a, I've had a ton of questions coming in about, and uh, I really want to make sure that uh, that we talk about that today. Now I'm going to give a disclaimer today. It's pouring rain right now. It's not quite so hard that I think it's going to overpower my microphone and uh, put a huge amount of extra background noise in. But it is pouring rain. Um, there's a lot of water on the road. There's high winds. There's been some hail. We've had the power out several times this morning. So this may not be jack at his best from a technical standpoint. I'll do the best I can because I don't want to wait another day to do this show. If this wasn't going on right now, I would probably scrap the show for today and not do a show till tomorrow. But I'm going to I'm going to try to get through this one for you because I think it's important that we talk about it. Uh, there's one other like kind of a, a house cleaning item from last week that I, I want to give a real brief answer to. So I'm going to do a show on it in depth this week. But somebody emailed me or called me, I don't remember which one it was, and asked me about peak oil. So you left that out of the conspiracy show. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Okay, here's my thoughts on peak oil. Peak oil is not a conspiracy. It absolutely cannot be a conspiracy because the theory of peak oil is that one day we will take so much oil from the earth that we will then start to exceed capacity or exceed demand with capacity. So we will no longer have enough oil coming out and being refined to meet the needs of the world. And at that point, we'll begin a decline in production. 
there's no conspiracy there. That has to happen. I mean, the, the earth is finite in dimension, and only so much of the earth holds oil. And if you pump it and burn it long enough and nothing's replacing it, it takes, you know, 50 million years to make oil in the natural way. Um, yeah, we're going to have a peak. The other side of it, though, is I, I think that some of the alarmism over we're already at peak and stuff like that, I, I don't necessarily buy into it. I don't discount it either. I really don't know when we're going to hit peak and when we're going to hit the big decline after peak. I, I don't know when that is, and, and I don't think anybody does. And I think that every time they say there's no more oil left, somebody finds a billion gallons or a couple hundred billion gallons in reserve. That There's there's tons of oil uh, right in the middle of the United States right now that they, they don't want to drill for. So I don't know. Well, we'll talk about it more later. Just know that I don't think peak oil in of itself is a conspiracy. I think there's a lot of peak oil alarmists out there that are over the top with it. You know, and if, if you're out there and you're, you're riding a bicycle because you're worried about peak oil, I, I don't have anything negative to say about you. I'm just saying, you know what, you're not going to make a difference in the consumption. And for those of you, I was called on some board out there, a peaker. I'm a peaker because I drive 50 miles to work and back. Hey, man, I do what I can. My car gets 44 miles to the gallon when you drive it rough. And if you drive it gentle, I can push it to 50. So I guess I'm a peaker anyway because I use uh, about two gallons of uh, diesel fuel a day. Uh, you know, put a biodiesel station somewhere between here and there, and I'll use it instead. So whatever. Anyway, let's get on with uh, the show today. House cleaning real quick. Uh, same stuff as always, really. Uh, if you think you get more than 25 cents an episode in value out of this show, consider joining the Member Support Brigade and get exclusive content available only to members. little update there. I did do did not shoot a video this weekend. I planned on doing the um, the garden tour you know, type thing this weekend, showing you an update of where everything's at. It was windy. It was cold. Uh, it was overcast. just wasn't good uh, weather to shoot outside. We did, though, finally edit the uh, video that we shot last week on making fish chowder, so that has been uh, done and rendered, and the MP4 for iPods has been uploaded already. Uh, there's no link in your uh, your off your back office yet, though, in the Member Support Brigade. Uh, but the uh, the Windows Media File version is currently uploading right now. I left the computer on, left it uploading. As long as the power doesn't go out, I should have links to both of them sometime today available for Member Support Brigade members. So there is a new video there. Uh, Region. 5 camp out bug out get together down in near Goldthway, Texas around Memorial Day weekend. Show notes will give you a link. Uh, Wilderness Ways, third time 09, get together out of San Bernardino in August. Ads coming out of their magazine very soon. It's already almost full. So if you want to go to that, I would recommend uh, getting on board and, and uh, signing up for it as soon as possible. I know August seems a long way away, but uh, this event is going to fill up, and they are going to close it down, and you're not going to be able to go. So if you want to go, get on board and come on out. Uh, let's go ahead and get into today's topic. Of course, it's the swine flu. Let me give you my mile-high view of this first. And... Uh, Hopefully then we can drill down into some of the questions that people are sending me and concerns that people have right now about this. My mile-high view of this is there is a, a very good chance that this thing is going to turn into a non-event. It's not going to be that big a deal. Very good chance that that's going to happen. There is an equal chance that it's going to turn into something really catastrophic. And I wish I could tell you right now it's going to go one way or the other, but I can't. 
There's just no way for me to do that right now because no one knows, especially not me. I am not, I don't have any insiders inside the government giving me information about, you know, flus or anything like that. And all I can do is look at the same information that's been available to you. And if you've noticed, ever since this story broke kind of Thursday is when it really started to heat up last week, uh, all through Friday, all through the weekend, there's a million reports on it, and they all pretty much say the same thing. So I think the most important thing to do is keep your head and understand that there's a pretty good chance this thing's not going to be that big a deal. Uh, you know, kind of compounding that, everybody that's got it in the United States so far has recovered, and it looks like all the people that died from it in Mexico died of pneumonia, and I haven't heard exactly where these people live, what kind of living conditions they were under, or what have you. So people living here in the United States in cleaner, uh, better conditions than, than certain parts of Mexico probably are going to be able to handle this thing a lot, a lot better. The, the the other side of this, though, is I think that maybe the non-event thing could be a very, very bad thing. If you've noticed, everybody's going apeshit about this thing in the media right now. It is on every news channel. It is on every radio, talk radio station channel today. Everybody's getting hysterical about it. Uh, people are already starting to hoard masks in Mexico and then try to go out in the streets and sell them at a, you know, an exorbitant profit, and they're actually being arrested for doing that, which, you know, I don't really know how to feel about that right now. We're being told in the United States, don't don't worry about masks. You don't need them for the general public unless you're going into, like, an infected area or something like that. There's no reason to run around with masks. I think that the big reason they're doing that is because they don't really know whether it's a danger yet, a big danger. And if you start having people running around with masks, it's going to feed hysteria and panic. So I think they're trying to keep the hysteria and panic down by specifically saying civilians don't need masks. All right, You have to do what you want with that information. You may still want to pick up some masks. I don't know. It's up to you. The, the big danger here to me, though, is this is a swine flu. Uh, this is H1N1. That is the same clade of flu that was the Spanish flu, but I don't think it's anything like Spanish flu so far. It doesn't look like that. I had a, an MD that's uh, on our forum that, that chats with me by email once in a while, give me some information. I'll try to relay some of that information to you today um, during today's broadcast. And, again, I apologize for the him and hawing here and there, but I'm dealing with some pretty rough weather here. So... Again, I'll try to relay that information. I'm not going to give the man's name away. If you want your name given out, sir, please uh, let me know by email. I just didn't ask you that. I'm going to err to the side of caution, and a lot of people don't like their name given out on a show like this, so I'm not going to give out his name. Uh, but he gave me some pretty good information, and one was, and I already knew the answer to this, but I didn't know quite how to explain it. He gave me a great analogy, though, on explaining this H1N1 and its similarity to Spanish flu and not being Spanish flu. He said, you know, a two 2002 Toyota SR5 and a 2009 Toyota SR5 are, are both Toyota SR5s, but they're not the same truck. They're, they're very, very different from each other. And I'd say, you know, one way to really look at this is a 1982 Toyota Corolla and a 2009 Toyota Corolla are really different, even though both, they're both uh, Toyota Corollas. And that's how we have to look at this. this. This thing does not appear to be anything like Spanish flu, at least yet. So the big danger to me is this thing gets really blown up, bigger than the bird flu, because it's really here and people are getting it. It's human-to-human transmission, and we're all going to die. And then it turns into a non-event. 
goes away. And it breeds more complacency in people. And I don't want that to happen to my audience. So if this thing turns into a non-event, don't lose the wake-up call that it was for you. That's the other side of my mile-high view of this thing. I think a lot of preppers out there that prep sort of, maybe a little bit of lackadaisical prepping, haven't really taken it seriously, are looking at this thing and going, this is a wake-up call. This is a shot across the bow from the enemy. It's not a torpedo into the side of the boat. But, boy, we need to be vigilant. And it's making people think, am I really as prepared as I should be by now? And I think that's a very good effect. That people are looking at it and going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Um, You know, we always said this could happen. Now it looks like it might happen. Am I really prepared for this? So that's uh, that's my mile-high view of it. Now let's try to drill down into it just a little bit. I've always believed that the flu is worse in wintertime, that cold weather seems to make the flu worse. And it also that also rang true of a old wives' tale. But my MD friend tells me that, indeed, that is the case. The fact that we're moving into warmer weather seasons right now while this thing's starting to show up is actually good, and it may help to mitigate its spread. I don't necessarily understand why that's the case, but it is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Now, here is one of my big concerns that could happen here. And this is similar to what Spanish flu did. In fact, it's exactly what it did. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen because it's the same flu or even a similar flu. It's just this is a pattern that flu has done in the past. Flu pops up early in the year. Uh, People get worried about it. People get concerned about it. Uh, As the warmer weather comes in and flu season goes away, the flu seems to go away. But it's not gone. It's still there. It's infecting one person here, one person there. The virus is floating around in a dormant state, what have you. And all while this is going on, it's continuing to mutate. Then the flu season kind of comes back around, and conditions for the flu to spread and take effect are in a much better state. And then when that happens, the real epidemic or pandemic hits. And that's happened with several flu epidemics slash pandemics in the past. And if you go back and you read the history of the Spanish flu, and you look at what happened in 1918, it's exactly what happened. It sort of popped up a little bit in the spring. It was like, oh, well, this could be a bad thing. It seems like a pretty nasty flu, but that kind of went away, and it seems like everything's going to be okay. And then when the fall and winter came of that year, that's when it hit full force, and that's when it started its, its rampage, killing millions of people all across the globe and at least half a million people in the United States. Now, again, I don't want to be alarmist. I don't want to say that's what's going on here. I'm just saying that's a pattern that flu, flu, how does a pattern that flu has followed in the past? So what does that mean? Does that mean we all freak out and head for the hills? No. Not yet. <laughs> and I've been asked already, hey, if uh, this thing starts to get really bad, are you going to go off to your bug out location? Might. Sure as hell might. And, uh... You know, I want to talk about an article here in a minute that somebody wrote that gave specifically advice not to do that. But I think it is, it's good advice if uh, if you're the average person that doesn't really have a place prepared to go to. Uh, But it may be bad advice if you do have a place prepared to go to. But my point here is, if this thing sort of cycles through this summer and it seems to go away, don't let your guard down. 
don't go back into whatever state you were in before this thing popped up and wake you to the reality of what you need to be doing. If you listen to this show, you know you need to be prepping. And I can tell by the tone of some of the emails that I've gotten and some of the forum activity that I've seen, there are people that are coming to the realization that you haven't done enough. Now, some people haven't done enough because they can't. They're at the limit of their resources. If that's you, stay calm, stay rational, and keep working with what you have. But I can tell that there are some people that are thinking, holy crap, this thing could come on and hit us full force in the face really, really fast. There might not be a warning. That's the way all threats are. Any one of these threats could go into meltdown overnight with no real warning. That's why we always have to be prepared. That's why we always have to be ready to deal with whatever situation comes our way. So what about this article? Well, I found an article on Firefox News, and it's just one of those news articles that makes you just go, what is, where do these people come up with this? And I'm going to paraphrase here, so I may not get it right. I'll give you a link so you can read the whole thing. It's like, you know that crazy neighbor, the one with turrets and razor wire, you know, and a big bunch of pit bull dogs in his estate. I think he said he got five pit bull dogs, a big estate and razor wire. He's got a basement full of rice and beans and suspiciously frequent um, visits from our Artillery are us. And then she goes on to say, well, uh, you know, he's also always blabbering on about his conspiracy theories and black helicopters and wacky liberals. But this time he might be right. And they start talking about the flu, and she goes into the serious nature of the article. Now, look, I'm not going to get all offended about this after I just told you not to get all offended about my show from Friday, which was far worse. But I do think it shows the stereotypical way that people look at survivalism once again. Now, all these people that write these articles all seem to have this crazy neighbor. I don't think any of them have a crazy neighbor. And I know this person doesn't have a neighbor with razor wire and a compound and five pit bulls because that guy wouldn't live next to this idiot. All right? But here's my point about this article as you read forward. It starts out with how survivalists are all crazy. You know, and we're all, we're all nuts. And then it says, well, what, what should you do for last-minute flu pandemic preparation? Tell me if this sounds familiar. We should have water and food, right? You should have a plan, list of emergency contact information. You should have your prescription medication on hand. You should follow normal uh, protocol for keeping diseases at bay, washing your hands, etc., things like that. <laughs> and uh, you shouldn't panic. You should stay rational. But you should make sure that you are prepared and ready to deal with the quarantine if it comes, because it's a very real possibility. You ever hear anybody tell you like that? I don't know. Crazy survivalist named Spirico tell you to do that? You know, are there are there crazy survivalists all over the Internet that have been saying for a decade now, hey, this flu stuff's real, be prepared for a quarantine, here's the basic steps you can take. You know, and, and where is this Artillery R Us store? I, I'd like to know where that is, because I want to place an order. Maybe that's where the Mexican drug cartel gets their 40-millimeter grenades and grenade launchers that you're supposedly buying at gun stores in the United States because our gun laws are too lax. I, I don't know, I digress. Just, yeah, it just irks me when I hear stuff like that. So anyway, that's what the article says to do, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. 
And I think overall there's a lot of good information in that article, so I'm going to post a link to it. And even though they kind of tweaked me off at the beginning, I do see it as just a joke, but it's a joke that may do a lot of harm to people that, that continue to have that stereotype in their head. I think, yeah, I know that crazy guy, and you don't know him. None of you know. I mean, some of you might be that crazy guy, but most of you people that, that look at survivalists that way, you don't know that guy because he doesn't want to know you. He's, he's off doing his own thing. And one thing I'll say for him, foil hat or not, he's going to be prepared to deal with this situation. So we can still learn from the foil hat brigade. So what do you do next? How, how do you deal with this? This is what I'm going to do. I'll just, that's all I can tell you. I'm going to ratchet my prepping up just a little bit this week. I'm going I'm to put a little bit more food in reserve at our home here in Arlington in case we end up in a situation where we decide to or we have to quarantine in place here because I have far more prepping done at my remote location and leaving would probably be best, but it may not be an option. So I'm going to up my, up my food supply a little bit domestically here. I am going to start really paying attention to what's going on around me. I am going to make sure that I continue to wash my hands, as I always do, but maybe a little bit more vigilantly. I'm probably going to go ahead out and uh, get myself some sanitizing uh, solution today and keep that at my desk. And as I you know, run around the office and whatever, keep my hands a little bit more clean throughout the day. Is that going to help me? I don't know. It's a pretty mild precaution to take. I think one thing we have to stay aware of, though, is that right now this, uh, this flu, despite killing some people in Mexico, doesn't appear to be anything that is uh, super lethal or anything like that. The concern is, since it's a new virus and there's no natural immunity to it in the population and there's no vaccinations being done for it yet, that it could go and spread very quickly. So, so please, again... Stay calm about the entire thing. The other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to review my EVAC plan. And I'm going to get a little bit more prepared, if I could possibly do that, to get the hell out of here quickly if we decide we have to do it. Because if people do start dropping over left and right from this thing, as I forward about two feet of water right now, but if people do start dropping over uh, left and right from it, if the hospitals do start to get overwhelmed and, and my family has not yet been infected, we're going to go isolate ourselves. And I don't think that's alarmist, and I don't think that's insane, and I don't think that's crazy. I think since we have the ability to do it, that it would be prudent to do it. And the longer we stay put, the higher the risk will be that we won't be able to take that option. Now, is there a risk that we could go up to our bug-out location and get there and then realize one or all of us are infected? Yes, there is. And I would actually say we'd still be in a better position if we stayed home because the uh, the medical facilities in that area are very, very good. And that was part of why we didn't choose the bug-out location in the middle of Idaho. We chose the bug-out location near a relatively modern small town uh, that has facilities and has ways to deal with this. So instead of dealing with a city of 6.2 million people in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, we would deal with a city of about 24,000 people, which I would much rather be in should we be infected. I also think that by being remote, we would definitely reduce our chance of being infected, and we could go six months there if we have to. So I would take that step, and don't worry, Survival Podcast fans, I will keep broadcasting. I'm not sure how often I'll be able to upload uh, 
stuff because I don't have satellite internet set up out there yet. But you know, if it's uh, if I have the time to pick up a sprint card or something like that, uh, we'll keep going. In fact, that might be another thing that I'm going to do. I don't ever want to not be able to do this show and. This is what I'm talking about with this thing is a good thing. I think I'm going to go out uh, this week, and I'm going to get myself a broadband uh, wireless card and plan uh, that can go into my laptop and be used to uh, upload and stay in touch on the Internet. That's something I don't have. I've never really felt that I absolutely had to have that. But I think I'm going to go ahead and make that investment because as I, as I sit here and talk to you guys, I realize that if I got in any situation where I had to kind of bug out right now, if it was not safe to go into the town and get to like a Starbucks or something, right now I would have no way to upload and stay in touch with the Internet in my remote location. So I'm going to take that step this week. And I think that's the biggest thing that I can, uh, I can advise you to do today. This is what I want you to do all through this week. As you hear all these stories about the flu, I want you to keep your head. I want you to stay sane. I want you to stay rational. I don't want you to panic. But I want you, since this is so much more real and it makes you think so much more deeply, I want you to say to yourself, what would I do? Do we have and find the holes, be they big holes, I have no food, I've been talking about it, but I've never put any away, or little holes like, hey, I'm going to lose connection to the Internet, so you know, maybe I need to go ahead and take that step. Now, and the reason I'm going to go ahead and do that is, you know, thinking about this, the last place I'm going to want to go is to a cellular store if this thing's really heating up. Even if it's to a point where we're not ready to abandon ship yet, so to speak, and head to Arkansas, and I was going to stay here in Dallas, I still might decide, you know what, we're going to stay put in our home. We're not going to go out. We're not going to interact with other people. We're going to stay, you know, as, as, as hygienic as we possibly can here. And we're going to just stay put and, and see how this thing meters itself out. So, so look for those holes this week. I think that would be a great exercise. The other thing I think we need to look at here, and I've talked about this a little bit before, compounding effects of multiple bad things that in themselves are not that bad happening at the same time. What do I mean by that? Our economy is in the toilet right now. Now, I, I get I get absolutely fed up with people, this is the worst financial crisis, this is the Great Depression. Shut up. This is nothing like the Great Depression. Now, numerically and mathematically, on the back end, I could make a case for it. But when people, and, and if that's what you're saying, then I, I respect your opinion. But the people that are in our media and our news and our freaking government that I'd like to smack in the face, all of these people that are doing it, you know that's not what they're talking about because they don't want to tell you all that the debt's bad, right? Maybe Ron Paul will and a few other good guys. But they're not talking about the debt, right? They're not talking about the deficit. They're talking about day-to-day life out here, driving to work, things like that. Here's the word by I haven't seen anybody in a soup line that had a job six months ago yet. I haven't seen one person in a soup line. Normal, hard-working people were in soup lines during the Great Depression. But Let's not overlook and let's not over, you know, forget how bad the economy really is. This is not good for the economy. This flu scare, even if nothing comes of it, it's going to further reduce travel. All right, it's going to definitely reduce tourism in Mexico. Mexico's already shitting a brick over this thing, and I am going to venture to guess that they're going to put some really strict hygiene protocols in place in places like Cancun and Cozumel and Puerto Vallarta. All right, because they can't afford to lose that tourist business, and you might see the rest of Mexico continue to go to heck in a handbasket, and those areas be really propped up during this with a lot of extra medical attention and things like that available to tourists. I don't think it's going to matter, though. 
I know that right now, if I had a plane uh, trip booked to Mexico for next month, I'd be trying to get my money back or trying to switch it for different tickets to a different location or anything that I could. I probably would not go to Mexico right now. And fortunately for me, I don't generally plan to go to Mexico a lot anyway. But if I would do that, then probably a lot of other people would too. And a lot of people are going to go anyway, but you know, a 1% or 2% decline when you're already down, that's going to hurt the Mexican economy further. So just start to look at how the way this all plays into each other. So today GM is getting rid of Pontiac. They're going to just get rid of Pontiac. They're laying off 21,000 more people with a major shutdown of operations to try to stay alive. The union still doesn't want to deal with them, and I keep telling you, if you know anybody in these unions that's holding the fort on this thing, you're going to lose everything in the end if you don't cut a deal. Because the money has run out. Forget peak oil. Peak cash flow at GM has been reached. You know, the demand has exceeded capacity, and capacity is in decline. That's where you're at there. So that's going on. We have a decline in the economy that's going to be aggravated by this flu. And then we have all these other things that are already going on in the economy. So you have to really stay vigilant with what's going on. You have to go look at this, uh, what I've called a sucker's rally in the stock market and go, do I really want to bet the farm on this, this supposed rally? Or are we you know, on the, on the uptick of the hockey stick before we have a bigger crash than we've had already? I'm not telling you I have the answer to that. I'm just telling you that even though the market's really, really down right now, and really, really depressed, and people always say, you know, buy when the market's down. I don't know that I would put 100%. If you pulled your money out, I wouldn't put 100% of my money back in just yet. I really would. You might take some very cherry-picked things and look at some things that maybe will prosper in this environment, buy a few stocks here and there, talk to your advisor about that. I can't give specific recommendations. Uh, but small pieces of money into highly depressed stocks may be a decent idea for a long-term investment. But be careful with the whole nest egg. Because this, this whole thing is a powder keg that, if it comes together the right way, it's going to make what we've already been through look like a cakewalk, even if we don't all die from the flu. Let's say that this flu really hits this fall. As we're, you know, going through all these things that are supposed to be fixing the economy and are actually making them worse. Let's say, you know, let's say the flu does what other flus have done because we're coming into summertime, it wanes off, it doesn't really go away, but everybody sort of forgets about it, and then we come back into flu season and bam, it hits us dead on in the face. Let's say we have a very low mortality rate in the United States of, I don't know, less than 1%, say a half a percent. Uh, but we have millions and millions affected. Uh, we will have vaccine probably available by then to uh, help curtail this particular strain of flu. Uh, I'm sure they're working like gangbusters now because the pharmaceutical companies are going to make a mint off of it. So the money's motivating them, which in this case is a good thing because we need it. And uh, they'll make it because they're going to make money off it. But it just disrupts things further. There's something else going on right now. I'm going to talk about this this week, too, along with a show on peak oil and the potential for that. And that is there are starting to be major global economists that are saying what I said all year last year. We're setting ourselves up for major food shortages in the near future. Somebody sent me a link this morning about that very subject. I'm going to talk about that this week, too. So if we were to have some really bad global weather events, uh, like all this rain here, do people think rain's good for farmers? It is if it goes away. But if it stays, and like we're supposed to have four days of stock in rain right now, I'm worried about my crops. 
And I've got very small uh, raised beds that I can, you know, manage very intensively. And if you have a big uh, field right now, this may not be the best thing in the world for you. A lot of people just put their seeds in the ground. The flooding can wash the seed away. So... We've got all of these things kind of building up together in a powder keg, and I'm sorry I'm not more uh, specific today, and I'm sorry I'm a little bit distracted, but again, I'm dealing with pouring rain here, folks, and idiot drivers hydroplaning on both sides of me and giant trucks and everything else. My point is that this flu doesn't have to kill a half a million people in the United States like the Spanish flu did to cause major problems for us, and it's time that we uh, we really up our vigilance. So I, I think with that, even though I'm only at 31 minutes, and I usually do about a 40 to 45-minute show, I'm distracted enough, folks. I'm going to sign off early today, and I'm going to wrap this one up. But I just wanted to talk to you about this threat. I'll probably come back and talk to you about it in little pieces and bites throughout the week as I learn more and as we all learn more. But here's what I want you to take away from today. Number one, do not panic. Do not freak out. Do not get scared. And do not tighten down your foil hat just yet. Alright? Full hats don't protect you from the flu anyway. Two, do see this as a wake-up call. Make sure that the, the little sick feeling in your stomach, you don't let it go away too quickly. Stay calm, stay rational, but understand it's exposed for you, holes in your planning. Start filling those holes now. Number three, if this flu starts to go away this summer and looks like it's going to be a non-event, it may in fact turn into a non-event. But absolutely, 100%, do not let your guard down because there's a real potential for it to mutate further and come back stronger as the flu season returns. That's an actual probable event, and it's something that history has shown us to occur many times in the past. Four, if you have a bug out location, make sure that your evac plan is in place. You may be in a situation soon where you choose to enact it. That's always true. This is just making you look at it and think about it a little bit more. Five, up the hygienity a little bit. A little bit more washing of hands won't hurt you. Might dry your hands out a little bit, but, uh, but you know, it, it's not going to hurt you and it might help. Uh, number six, don't run out, buy a bunch of flu masks, and start running around with a flu mask on. People are going to think you're alone. That said, you may want to pick up some flu masks, okay, just because you may get in a situation where you need them and you may not want to go out and get them in that place. I would take your time on this. I would not panic. Please don't raid the stores for them. Uh, it's something you can order online. I do think you have the time to wait. I don't think we're that critical with this yet. And last, I would say be very careful with what's going on out there right now. And I do have advertising on the site. Uh, I have uh, ready-made resources and, and you know, uh, John Willis uh, and... Uh I'm sorry, you know, James Yeager's tactical response. John Willis, I'm waiting on his uh, banner to come in, and he's going up on the site, too. Um, but I also run some advertising on there through the form of Google Ads, and that makes me a little bit of money. It's not much. It's maybe $100 a month I make off of running those ads. And what I think I'm going to do, if you've noticed those Google Ads before, I think I'm going to shut them down for a couple weeks. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I'm seeing on my site, I'm seeing everywhere that anything about flu is where there's Google advertising, including on Google itself, a tremendous amount of advertising right now where people are trying to sell uh, pandemic flu kits. And you know what they're selling? They're selling masks and booties and, and little hats and little gowns. And that's supposed to protect you from the flu. 
and I think it's absolutely nonsensical, and I don't have the time to filter them, so I'm probably just going to disable those ads, and I think a kit like that is about as worthless as anything could possibly be. I saw a family size one today show up on my site for 150 bucks. Hey, man, take that 150 bucks out, buy some food with it at the store that's not going to perish, put it on your shelf, and that'll probably take you through at least a month for your family of food. That's going to be a lot more valuable than some masks and some booties. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. I'm only about halfway to the office. Traffic's moving really really slow. It's really kind of dangerous driving conditions. Again, I, I absolutely apologize for my delivery in this show. I did the best I could for you guys, but I didn't want to let you guys hang on this event. I wanted to make sure I got the information that I had to you. Tune in tomorrow. We'll talk about probably peak oil tomorrow or the food shortage. Uh, the next two days we're going to talk about those two events. I'm not deciding which order. And I will continue to update you on my thoughts about the flu and new information coming in about it throughout this week. And uh, above all, remember, if it goes away, don't lapse back into uh, any kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for because I'm distracted by a giant truck again. But any kind of a lackadaisical attitude or any more type of uh, complacency, what, what have you, because this is a real threat. And all this is for us, folks, again, that's a little wake-up call to us. And uh, with that, I'll just have to say this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter. Get spent.